Faithbridge, I want to look at three stories from the life of Joshua. Now, these stories for me have been so critical to being and living a life of courage, a life where a posture is wide open to God, and a life that owns the moment. And so what I want you to do is, if you have a Bible, I want you to turn with me to Exodus chapter 33. And it's one of the first times that we actually get to know this young leader by the name of Joshua. It says this in verse 10. Whenever the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance to the tent of meeting, they all stood and worshiped, each at the entrance to the tent. So this is what would happen. There was this like, before the temple, there was this, this, this tent of meeting. And they believed that like God's presence was there. It was a place where the people understood like, man, God is up to something. And, and God would, spirit would move. His presence would move. And it would be in this like, this pillar, this cloud, and it would just begin to move. And wherever that went, the people wanted to follow. And look what it says in verse 11. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Then Moses would return to the camp. But his young aide Joshua, son of Nun, not son of a nun, because that would be weird. But Joshua, this young aide, this young leader, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. This is one of the first times we get to meet this young leader. And, and, and Moses is experiencing words from God, then bringing it to the camp, coming back to the presence at this tent of meeting, and then having this encounter, bringing it to the people, and this is how it would go. But this passage says, this young Joshua, this young leader, didn't leave the tent. He was like just wanting to grow. And, and here's something I, I, I've come to discover. Oftentimes we are so fixated with people and, and what they kind of accomplish in public. We don't often think about the power of preparation. Every great leader understands the importance of preparation. The word prepare literally means, it's two words in Greek, it literally means before you go public. And before Joshua ever steps in to lead the people of Israel, he's doing something that nobody else would see. It's gonna, not going to make any Instagram headlines. It's not going to be anything that's shared. But I kid you not, just that one line, he did not leave the tent. Because there was this hunger, there was this thirst for God's presence. And he wanted to learn. He wanted to be prepared as best he could. Because he knew that there were going to be moments in his life when he was going to have to rely on what was built in those moments in the tent. You know, I, I often think about so many of us when our life is moving so fast. We often, one of the first things to go is our time with God. I, I love this area. This like trail for me has become something that's so important. I, I live out here in Phoenix and in the desert. One of the things for me that, that is just so important is getting up early and going on some hikes. Walking up, walking up to the top of this hill. And it's just time for me to experience God's presence in creation. And oftentimes I'll take a, a Bible or sometimes I'll listen to some scripture or some worship. I'll just have this moment of just opening myself up. But oftentimes I meet some incredible people. And if I'm really, really 
get really honest with them, I realize that their life is so busy and one of the first thing that goes is their time with God. What about you? What are your practices when nobody's looking? What are your practices that you don't really tweet about or, or share on Facebook or Instagram, but they are shaping and forming and cultivating the stronger stuff within you? Because I kid you not, if 2020 has told us anything and proven anything, if we're not cultivating the best kind of stuff, man, we are going to drift. We're going to drift for standing up for the right things, speaking out on the right things, living in a way that actually points people to grace and truth and justice and peace. What about you? What are the practices that you are cultivating? Maybe for some of you, gosh, the healthiest practice in this next season could be, man, picking this book up. Now, the truth is, uh, your life might be the closest that any person in, in the marketplace or in your family gets to the scriptures. But by you living this word out, it might inspire them to get curious. Or maybe for some of you, the, the best practice, and it's something that I've done over the last 10, 12 years, is to get a counselor. The practice is like there has been trauma or, there, or, or just pain in your life. You're like, man, I just, I need someone I need to talk with. And even in this season, I, I feel like on FaceTime is how I'm doing my counseling appointments. And maybe for you, that's the practice. Maybe for you, the practice is literally getting an older mentor. We've talked about this before, FaithBridge. You know, having someone in your life that you go, gosh, you can actually help me and, and reaching out. And I think that's an important piece. Joshua had Moses. But what do you need to do? Or maybe the better question is, what do you need to cut out of your life so that you can experience time in His presence? I was talking to a mentor of mine recently, and he told me this line from his mentor, who was Dallas Willard, the great theologian and scholar and author. And Dallas Willard said this. He said, John, you must arrange your life so that you are experiencing deep contentment, joy, and confidence in your everyday life with God. Just think about that. You must arrange. We all have 168 hours in our week. Every one of us. We might have different gifts, talents, and abilities, but the truth is we all have 168 hours. And the question is, how are we arranging it? And this mentor to my mentor simply said, you must do whatever it takes to arrange your life so that you are experiencing the richness of contentment, joy, and confidence in your everyday life with God. And that's what Joshua did. He just arranges his life and goes, you know what? I'm not going to go down to the camp. I'm not going to get distracted. I'm just going to stay here in this moment because I need it. I need it. I need to be prepared before I ever go public. I need the right stuff to be cultivated in me. But if you were to be really, really honest, what three words would your spouse or your kids say that you've arranged your life? Is it like worry, stress, fear? I mean, distraction, tendency to escape. I mean, can you imagine if every one of us said, I, I, I'm content, I know who I am, I'm filled with joy and gratitude for, for who God is and what he's blessed me with, and I have confidence to use my gifts and, and privilege and, and, and abilities to actually be a blessing to others. 
You start, you start living like that, and you go, I kid you not, your life takes on a whole new outlook and perspective. The second story. The second story is, uh, comes from the book of Numbers, which I know you all were reading that this morning in your quiet time because you're, you're more holy than me. But in Numbers chapter 13, Moses again is the leader and they've been marching through the desert. And here I am, Phoenix Desert. I kid you not, it's, it's, it's already 740 in the morning and it's 80 some degrees and it's just gonna get hotter and hotter. And, and, and the truth is, the desert comes from this, this idea of feeling deserted, forsaken. And, and the Hebrew people have been wandering here in hopes that someday they're going to get to the promised land. This land that God has promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. This land that supposedly is overflowing with milk and honey. And they're coming to like, to where it is. And Moses, he doesn't have drone footage. He doesn't have, you know, Wikipedia. He doesn't have the internet. All he has is some spies. And he's so curious. He goes, guys, here's what I want. I want you to go out and I want you to tell me what that land is like. Is it really like as God has told us? Is it filled with milk and honey? What, what, what are the people like? What, what's the vegetation like? What's the landscape like? I want you to bring me back a detailed report. So he lines up all of the tribes, and there's 12 of them, and he chooses one person from each of the tribes. And they go to experience this land. And then they come back. And you got to hear, you got to just imagine, if you're the Hebrew people, you are so excited. I mean, because this is where you're going. This is like, this is like where you are going to live. And you're curious. You're like, I can't imagine what it must be like. And so all of a sudden, the 12 come back and the whole nation is around them. And they're just like, okay, okay, what, what is he going to say? What's he going to say? What are they going to say? And this is what they said. Numbers 13, verse 26. They came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community in Kadesh, and the desert of Paran. There they reported to them and to the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit. But, there's always a but, isn't there? But the people who live there are powerful and the cities are fortified and very large. We saw descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites live in the Negev, the Hittites, Jebusites, Amorites live in the hill country and the Canaanites live near the sea and along the Jordan. And then look what it says, verse 30. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land for we can certainly do it. But the men who had gone up with him said, we can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land that they had explored. They said, the land we explored devours, devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are of great size. We saw the Nephilim there, the descendants of Anak come from the Nephilim. And hear this line. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes and we looked the same to them. I mean, th this is unbelievable because you've got these spies coming back and they're saying, 
It's everything that God told us it would be. But we feel like this compared to the giants. Compared to the giants. And only two people, only two people speak up. Caleb, and then we see in Numbers 14, Joshua. And look what it says in chapter 14, verse 6. Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb, son of Jephunneh. Now, here's the thing. is Whenever you're reading publicly verses of Scripture, and there's words that you don't know how to really pronounce, just say it quickly and with authority and move on. Caleb, son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had explored the land, tore their clothes and said to the entire Israelite assembly, the land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into that land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not be afraid of the people of the land because we will devour them. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. And this is what they say. They literally tear their clothes. They're just saying, guys, you don't understand. That is ours. God has given it to us. And if he's going to lead us into it, it's going to be ours. Don't be afraid. The next verse is, and the whole nation wanted to stone those two. And I found myself just reading that going, it's really hard sometimes when you know the right thing to do and you find yourself speaking up, but not everybody else in your family, not everybody else in your neighborhood, not everybody else in your school, not everybody else in the marketplace, not everybody else in your church sees it that way. And Joshua actually, I think, has this confidence because he spent time in the tent, in the presence of God. And now he's in this moment where the whole community is saying, no, no, we can't do it. Let's just stay here in the desert. Let's, let's not experience the land God has promised. We can deal with this. We can deal with not knowing where water is. We can deal with the hot of the desert. We can deal with this. Let's just not go get hurt going into the land that God's promised. And Joshua Joshua like owns this moment. And here's what I've come to realize. I've come to realize that there are so many sincere Christ followers whose headspace and heart space is fixated on the past. It's like they live in the past and what they've said, what they've done. And there's a whole bunch of people who I know who are living in tomorrow. There's so much worry and anxiety. Their, their minds are always strategically thinking about tomorrow. And then there's very few people I know who literally live a life that's fully present. The past is going to bring you shame. The future is going to give you worry. But the present, the present is what's really going to prepare you. And here in this I really believe that one of the greatest strengths of the enemy is to push you to the past or thrust you into tomorrow so to distract you from being right here and right now. And so many of us, we miss the moments. We miss the moments. And truth is, the only thing that you have power and control over, it's not the past. It already happened. You can't change it. It's not tomorrow. It hasn't happened yet. The only thing that we all have control over is right here and right now. So the question is, will you own the moment? And so many of us, when all of a sudden we feel the fear 
of other people saying, don't do it, we can't do it, and you feel the threats to your reputation, the threats to, to yourself, all of a sudden your courage starts to dwindle. And you start looking at some of the circumstances and forgetting God's promises. You forget God's truth. And what's so important in this story is I think Joshua had every right to go along with the tide of negativity and he decided, no, no. And I imagine Moses watching that going, someday when I got to pass the baton down to someone to take the, the reins of my leadership for the Hebrew people, I want someone who doesn't just go with the crowd. I want someone who longs to be in God's presence. I want someone who's willing to point people to God's promises. And as Moses, because of his own sin, we learn in the scriptures, is unable to enter into the promised land, he hands the leadership baton to Joshua. And in Joshua chapter 1, you see this real human experience of Joshua kind of going, I'm not Moses. I'm not the greatest leader. Like, like, let's just be really, really honest. Name the person who followed Michael Jordan for the Chicago Bulls. You can't, you, nobody really can name that person. Name the person who was the head coach after John Wooden at UCLA. Really, really hard. Name the best pitcher after Nolan Ryan after he retires uh, for Houston. I, I, it's hard for us to name those because when there is greatness, it's hard to follow in that shadow. And you can just imagine the thoughts that are going through Joshua's mind. And in Joshua chapter 1, a very familiar passage, God speaks into Joshua. God speaks into who he sees and who he wants Joshua to be. And I believe that God is wanting to speak this word into each of us today so that we can own the moment, so that we can be present and not be thrust into the past or thrust into the future so that we can be prepared before we go public to own the moment in such a way that honors who God made us to be. So in Joshua chapter one, verse six, God tells Joshua, be strong and courageous, Joshua, because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left so that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law. And that meant like the first five books of the Bible, the, the Torah. Keep these books of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Verse 9, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Three times in four verses, God looks at Joshua and says, Joshua, be strong and courageous. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and very courageous. Do not be afraid. Be strong and courageous. He tells him, don't drift from the left or to the right. Meditate on this book. Continue to have that same desire like you had when you were a young leader in the presence and at the tent with God. 
Continue to own the moment. Don't ever, ever stop being strong and courageous. Now, this phrase, be strong and courageous, in Hebrew is the phrase, rock shazak. It's just so fun to say. And this phrase actually became the Hebrew battle cry. And so when the Hebrew nation would go into battle, all of the soldiers would line up. And this was like the original jock jams. I mean, when you think about a game and there's like warm-ups or, or when the closing pitcher comes out for the Astros and they've got that song that just plays out, this song would just fire up the crowd. This phrase, rock, shazak, it would literally be the thing that these soldiers would be saying that they were going to be strong and courageous, not in their own strength, but in the God that was with them, the God that was for them. And friends, when I think about this, I know so many men, I know so many women, I know so many sincere Christ followers that don't have a battle cry. And all of a sudden, when you feel thrust to go into the past or thrust to get worried about tomorrow, a battle cry can ground you so that you own the moment. And for me, I went through one of the most difficult seasons of my life in 2018. And I studied the life of Joshua. And every day I just found myself studying the life of Joshua. And, and Jesus, Joshua is the Hebrew name for Jesus. That means God saves. And this young leader getting the chance to actually have to own a moment and lead. And I realized God gave him this battle cry. And I realized I needed that. And so I'd wake up early in the morning and I'd start walking when we lived in Chicago, Illinois, and I'd find myself just 5 a.m. walking in this nature preserve, spending time in the presence of God. And I, and I felt like I was walking into the battlefield some days because there was some stuff going on in my life and some stuff that was going outside of my control, but I felt like God was asking me to do and speak up and say some things. And, and truth be told, I, I knew it was going to cost me something. And I didn't want to do it. I wanted to stay safe and I wanted to stay comfortable. But I just kept feeling like God was saying, no, 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 I need you. I need you to do this. And some days I would wake up and I'd walk this nature preserve and nobody around. And I so badly needed to be strong and courageous and I didn't know if I had it. I didn't know if I actually had it within me. And so the only thing I knew how to do was like to pray these words. And sometimes I'd, I'd pray it in such a way where I would just... I would just scream it out, like, rock, shazak. Even sometimes I find myself climbing up to the top of this hill early in the morning, now in Phoenix, and I'll just look out. I'm seeing our world at a time and it feels like it's just falling apart as fabric. I just feel like God's saying, no, I want you to be strong, courageous for your family. I want you to be strong, courageous. And I'll just have these moments where I'll just look out and just almost like say it over the valley of Phoenix, rock. Shazak! And I'll just start saying it. I probably look like a madman, but so did John the Baptist. And then there's other days, I don't have the, the passion to scream it out. Because I feel the enemy wanting to take me into the past, to the moments where I missed a moment. I feel the, the, the fears of tomorrow, like, am I going to be a good enough father? Am I going to be able to provide for my family and be a good enough leader? All of the pressure. 
And sometimes I can't scream it with passion and excitement to own the moment. Sometimes it's like a whisper. And I'm just like literally like up here and it's like rock, shazak. And I'm whispering it because I don't even know if I believe that I have it in me to be strong and courageous for the Lord. And I think this is why God tells Joshua three times, be strong and courageous. No, no, I don't think you heard me, Joshua. Be strong and very courageous. I just almost imagine like God just grabbing him by the shoulders and go, man, have I not commanded you? Be strong and very courageous. Uh, today is a Father's Day. And a couple years ago, uh, uh, a buddy of mine, Ray Lewis, uh, the, the former, you know, defensive star for the Baltimore Ravens, uh, I brought him out to this church that I was a part of to kind of speak to the men. And if you've ever seen Ray Lewis before the game, I mean, he walks out and he like, he just has this dance and he like, he just fires up a whole crowd. He just like, it's, you just, this guy oozes energy. I mean, he is like Red Bull in the flesh. And, and then he gets the whole team around and he quotes the book of Psalms and then he fires them up. And, and in sports language, they, say, they call this breaking down a huddle. And I've never seen anything like it. I mean, literally, this guy breaks down a huddle and you're like, I'll run through a brick wall. I don't even know how to play football, but I will, I will, I will suit up. I feel like I can do anything. And it's just the what he's able to do. It's like he's calling out the best in you. And so I'm interviewing him and I say, hey, man, I know you've been around some of the greatest athletes and you know how to break down a huddle, but I don't know if you've ever been around some incredible men. And I'd love for you to break down a huddle. So I had all the men stand up, all the grandfathers and fathers, all the young men that dream someday to be fathers, all the mentors and coaches who weren't yet fathers. I had them all stand up. And I said, Ray, will you break down this huddle? And Ray Lewis owned the moment. And he looked at all of these men. There's probably 4,000 of them standing up. And he looks at all of these men and he goes, I got two words for you. Number one. Eagles never fly with pigeons. And he said, you are called to soar higher. You are called to live values that are above the way of this world. And he began to speak into these men. And he said, stop going down to the level of pigeons. You were meant to soar. You were meant to fly. You were meant to lead. And then he goes, the second the second is, if you've ever been to the jungle, you know that the smartest animal isn't a lion. You know that the strongest animal isn't a lion. You know that the fastest animal in the jungle is not a lion. But you know who the king is? The lion. The lion. And the lion knows it. And he said to these men, know who God made you to be. Embrace it. Step into it. And you don't have to be the strongest, the fastest, the smartest. You have to be the man that God created you to be. And he went on a riff that I literally was like, I, I, I want to be that. I want to be that. And friends, I'm telling you right now, I think some of you, some of you really have to take an honest look at your life and say, how am I doing preparing? preparing myself 
And maybe for some of you, it's practices that you need to kind of engage with. Maybe for some of you, you can look at your life and you go, man, I've missed some moments by living and having my headspace and heart space in the past or being thrust with anxiety and worry into the future. I got to start and claim right here, right now that I'm going to own the moment. And God wants you to be brave. He wants you to be strong and courageous. He wants you to have that rock, shazak, passion. And I don't know about you. You might not have a battle cry. Steal this one. Say it in the car. You find yourself in a moment where you're like, I don't know if I have what it takes. I'm telling you what, God has made you for such a time as this. Rock Shazak. And I don't know, but I know it's weird because we're like doing this over camera and over screens. But if we were gathering right now, I'd have all the men stand up. And here's what I'm going to ask. If you're, if you're with your family, I'm going to ask you if you're a father or a grandfather, if you're a young man someday dreaming to be a father, I'm going to have you stand up. And I'd love for the rest of the family to come around. Maybe it's the sons and daughters. Maybe it's the spouses. I would love for you just to lay a hand. And what I want in this moment is I want, I want the men to have their hands open. Almost like Joshua saying, I'm not leaving this moment. And again, guys, you're so good if you're like me. You just kind of want to run away from this moment. But Joshua stayed in the tent to receive. I want you just to receive this. I want you to own this moment. I want you to ask God that you would be strong and courageous, that he'd give you that rock, shazak, passion for such a time as right now. And the team's going to lead us in this amazing song, So Will I. And here's what I want. I want as the song is playing, I love, I love, And it's going to take someone who's courageous. Maybe it's going to take a daughter who's got that rock shazak passion to say a word over her dad. Just to say a prayer over her dad. Or maybe it's going to take the spouse to say, I'll go first. To say, they continue to, to, to be strong and courageous. But I love for this moment as the song is playing, a declaration of so will I kind of passion to live out this life that you begin to pray over the men in your life. Because right now, we need it. Our world needs it. The church needs it. Culture needs it. They need people who are filled with rock, shazak. Be strong and courageous. God, I'm thankful. I'm thankful as we sing this song. I'm thankful for these men who are standing in their living rooms or in their kitchens standing in their backyards as they're watching this service. And God, I pray that they would hear the words from their family, the truth that they speak into them. I pray that they would hear the words of these songs and commit in this moment, not to miss moments, but to own moments. God, I pray that you would prepare their hearts, their minds to be, to be who you made them to be, to soar like eagles, to lead like lions, to be strong and courageous, brave like Joshua, even when you don't feel like you have what it takes. God, I pray that you would instill in them that rock shazak courage. And let us all, let us all right here, right now, if you did it, let us all declare, so will I. If you lived in this way, let us declare, so will I. If you loved when it didn't make sense, Let us declare, so will I. If you 
fought for justice, let us say, so will I. If you showcase grace, let us say, so will I. And it's going to take great strength and great courage. It's going to take every ounce of our rakshazak within us. But God, I pray, I pray that us as FaithBridge, we would have the faith to do it and we would be a bridge to the people who need to see what rakshazak, what your son, and what grace is all about. Let us be people who declare, so will I.